Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast on Women's Quarterfinals Day. Although I should also say we had a round of 16 match to complete between Yuri Vesely and Thomas Burdick. And Burdick eventually coming through in the fifth set. So he will now line up against Luca Puil in that sort of Andy Murray, Joe Wilfred Songer half of the draw as well. That's all to come on, what day is it tomorrow? Wednesday. That's all coming up then. My name is David Law. This is the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Catherine Whittaker's here. Hello, Catherine. Hello, David. Hello, Simon Briggs. Hello, how are you? And hello, Jeff Tarango from BBC Radio 5 Live. Hey, David. I, are you sure you pronounced uh, Pooley Lee's name correctly? I, I kind of think of rap songs when I think of him. Pooey! You know that song? I knew it was a good idea to get you on the show. Um, Catherine, why don't we just confirm quickly what the correct pronunciation is? It's Luca Pui. So I was right, Geoffrey. I was much closer. No, 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 no. no. You were, I'm afraid you weren't. You said you pronounced the L's. Yeah, see, I'm much not closer. I did not pronounce it. Go back and listen to it. Everybody Pui. listening to the Tennis Podcast right now, I'm right, Pui. aren't I? Jeff Durango here. Uh, anyway, let's get on to the serious business of the matches we've had so far today. I was doing the uh, commentary on Venus Williams up against Yaroslava Shvedova. Highly competitive opening set in which Shvedova led 5-2 in the first set tiebreak, Catherine, and Venus Williams came back. I think experience from the 36-year-old ultimately told. Yeah, you don't see the fight in the same demonstrable way as you do with Serena, do you? I mean, with Serena, when she's in that sort of position, she becomes the Incredible Hulk, doesn't she? But with Venus, it's a far more serene kind of fight. Uh, But it is nonetheless there. We should not underestimate it. And she was sensational today. She is the most incredible story. I I can't find the right superlatives for her because she's just so awesome. She is awesome, isn't she, Jeff? You you know the v, the, the Williams sisters well, don't you? Yeah, I, I introduced them to Althea Gibson way back in the day, and uh, you know helped them from age seven, eight, and nine. You know, and helped Richard with how to feed balls. He didn't even know how to hold the racket to feed balls and and give them their grips. And they lived in Compton, which is three miles from where I live. 
and you know just getting them really into the game and, and with the right fundamentals. But the, the transformation of them over the years, I remember after Venus won her first Wimbledon, she then was a little bit languishing in her career. Richard came to me and said, you need to find a way to motivate Venus for me. And uh, it, was, it was funny. It, five minutes later, I think he must have pushed her out the door, you know, into me. And she was, I was like, so, Venus, what are you up to these days? And, and, and she said, well, I'm going down to the Wimbledon Museum to check it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, what are you going to check out? She said, oh, they put my picture up because, you know, I won, you know, a couple years ago. And I said, well, this time when you go into that museum, why don't you envision five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe ten pictures of you in there? And she's got five up there now. She has five singles and she a gonna few, few doubles. She's going to get six. Is she going to get six, Jeff? a few doubles. You know what? I think she's a massive underdog against Kerber. I think Kerber is playing sensational. She's reinvented herself and, um, since last year's U.S. Open. She's playing the best tennis of her life. So I think Venus is a massive underdog. And she can't get a slow start against Kerber because Kerber is a great front runner. So that, that isn't good because David Witt says that he's having a really hard time getting her to get that good start. And so I, I think that we'll know in the first four or five games. Simon, you were covering the Angelique Kerber match today, weren't you? And, and she has rediscovered the form of the Australian Open again, it would appear. Yeah, played really tough, uh, covered a lot of ground, fa- fabulous backhand today, uh, strong on the forehand. But the serve, you know, the, the weird thing about my match was how many breaks of serve were there, 12 or something? It was... It was uh, they were both averaged 93 miles an hour on their first serves. Now, what I want to know, Jeff, is what did Richard Williams do with his daughter's serves that nobody's actually managed to do since? It's weird because we've moved on what, 15 years since, since the Williams were, were ruling the world women's tennis. And everyone else's serve, not everyone else, there's Pliskova, maybe there's, there's a Lizicki, but for the vast majority, they're all still, still serving at the same speed they were before the Williams came along and, and, and ramped it up. So what did he do that no one else has managed since well you know a lot of parents come up to me and they say you know can you help my kid get a better serve you know what does my child need to do to improve their serve and oh my kid's 15 16 years old and you know the serve just isn't good enough and they get really upset at me in my answer at that one and you might get upset at me too and uh looking up here at david law uh you can't teach six three <laughs> It's not just about height, though, is it? Come on, the service action of Serena and Venus is off the charts, isn't it? As, as someone that's played David Law at tennis, I can tell you it is definitely not just about height. That brings the tennis podcast to a close. Uh, in fact, no, we'll carry on, but Catherine, <laughs> see you later. Uh, Jeff, so, serious question, though. I yeah. mean, how did he teach? I mean, the, the story behind the Williams sisters is extraordinary when you actually go back and look at at the videos and the interviews with Richard Williams saying that he was basically channel surfing on TV yeah. one day at home and he saw a tennis tournament with a massive check given out to the winner and he thought, crikey, that's not a bad way to make a living, is it? No. And, I, um, and, and he probably used the word crikey. But anyway. He, he became a massive student of the game. He was very um, obsessed with his kids becoming students of the game. And he... The basics, down together, up together, and, and, you know, swing. And he taught them how to throw a proper baseball and so that they, were, they had that good arm release and, and live arm. 
But, you know, what what he didn't do was overcoach them on the serve. He kind of let them grow and develop into their serve. You know, when you're 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, you're not going to have a good serve. That's just the way it is. Your serve really doesn't come into formation until you're 17, 18 years old. And, you know, look at Boris Becker when he was 16. He wasn't that good of a server. But all of a sudden at 17, 18, he's one of the best servers in the world. He didn't change his technique. It's just a maturity and and a, a a dexterity that that comes. So do people and, and, overcomplicate? No, well, no, yeah, they overcomplicate, and it, and parents put way too much pressure on their kids to serve, and it's already nerve wracking enough to serve. And the way the way I try to explain it to parents is, every single person in the world has a different serve, like a fingerprint, and you can't change your fingerprint. So don't try to change your kid's serve. You can. It's, it's like Lego coaching. You can do one little thing at a time and work on it. But when you put pressure on your kid to serve, they lock up, they tense up, their chin isn't right when they toss the ball, their toss is different every time because of the stress of someone saying, oh, you've got to have a great serve. I mean, leave the kid alone. That's definitely what happened to me. That's definitely. I mean, I would have had a great serve. Simon Briggs. It was the chin. I, I never knew about how important my chin was. No, neither did I. And you've got a beard on your chin as well. Uh, anyway, Simon, in terms of the the size of the story that we have in front of us, I mean, I think we came, we come into to Wimbledon and we automatically looked at Djokovic, Murray, and, and Federer is that sort of evergreen story isn't it where everybody's always trying to to figure out a, 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 whether he's ever going to get that that 18th grand slam title i think the idea that venus williams might get another grand slam title is almost seemed too far-fetched for words and it's actually now just two matches away it's not impossible yeah i mean what happens if she goes up against serena there was a pretty well, it was entertaining wasn't it that match at the us open last year but it didn't really feel like it was, it was a. They'd taken the gloves off. It felt a bit like sparring. Uh, I think she'd have to probably play against Vesnina, wouldn't she, in the final? My feeling is that she couldn't beat Serena. First, I agree with Jeff that Kerber it would probably make her run a lot because Kerber doesn't miss. So that's a big problem for her for a start. And then you need an upset and another draw. I can't see how she's going to beat Serena. Can you? What do you think, Catherine? I think it's possible, yeah. I certainly think it's possible. Look, Serena is the overwhelming favourite for this title, but I think their matches have been so weird over the years and so weird in so many different ways. I think it would be impossible to predict if that final did happen, how it might play out. I think to say that Venus wouldn't have a chance, I think, is, um, you know, she it's grass. It would be very different. I know they met in the fourth round here last year, and, and that was one of the most interesting things about that Serena documentary, seeing their thoughts thoughts around that fourth round meeting last year and I think actually it was their sister that said she thought Venus wanted it more than Serena uh, which is an amazing thought you know all the focus is on Serena and going for history and going for the records well if Venus were to win this title I know we're two very very big matches away from that that would eclipse everything in terms of achievement I I mean that would just be as a singular achievement one of the most extraordinary things we've seen 
36 years of age with Sjogren's syndrome up against the field. I, I, I know where you're coming from there. Jeff, just in terms of, um, of that matchup, I, I, I found watching the documentary this, this morning fascinating. Uh, the Serena Williams documentary, Simon Briggs is going to just go off and do a little bit of work, uh, so we'll carry on our conversation. Um, there was a moment, Jeff, in the, in the documentary where I don't know whether Serena was just a throwaway line, but she, she said, unlike me, Venus loves grass. Unlike me, Venus loves grass. Serena Williams has won the title here six times. Hard to believe, isn't it, that she could actually not be that keen on it, and yet she's that good. Well, originally, Venus was the world record holder for serve, um, and that, that plays a big factor. I think Serena's since become a better server, but you know, when you look at how can it happen if you're going to be in the, the the happy land of Venus Williams, that everything's possible. You have to look at her just purely overpowering Kerber, which is possible. She could just hit the ball too hard for her, and it doesn't become a physical battle. She will tee off, won't she? She's, she's just going to go tee for off. It. She's going to. She's she's already made the commitment to David Witt that she's going to come in during this fortnight more than she's ever come in in any tournament she's ever played. She's doing a good job of it. Her volley's actually improving as things go on, and they're out there playing the doubles uh, to make sure they're working on their volleys. But let, let, let's say in the in the happy land of, of Venus, she beats Kerber. Okay, David Witt has already said, and it's true for her to win the finals. We've seen her play great matches against Wozniacki this year. Um, you know, she's won a tournament. She, she's had some spots where she's played great, but the the bottom line is she's going to have to play the best match of her life to win Wimbledon. Is it possible to buy property in the happy land of Venus? <laughs> Can I? <laughs> Can I get a? Small you can't one? afford it, Catherine. Uh, Catherine, now the um, a large, large, shallow end. So you know, you just take your time. Okay, all right. We'll build up to that. I tell you what, maybe if we all club together, we can get like a shed or something. Anyway, Catherine, um, that documentary. I, I thought that was a really, really nicely put together documentary. I think it showed Serena behind the scenes. It reminded me of the little stories Andy Roddick had told me last year about what Serena is really like, the person that we frankly just don't get to see. Um, you know, her quirks, her little insecurities and, and all the rest of it. But I, I really enjoyed that. I, I was mesmerised by it. I mean, look, she's not like you or me, is she? But what- That much is clear. <laughs> yeah, she's an awesome, awesome... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Awesome athlete and, well... But you know what I mean. I mean, she, she's she's not the sort of individual in terms of her personality that that you meet every day. She's completely unique, not just in that she's in a, a champion. You know, she celebrated winning her twentieth Grand Slam by watching The Little Mermaid in bed. I mean, I found that completely charming. Well, I did that too. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was a very very unique insight into into Serena Williams. It was. Absolutely fascinating. And into Venus as well, actually. Very much into Venus as well. And, and the stuff about them when they were talking about one another. And, and I know you didn't see Serena in the very immediate aftermath of that Roberta Vinci match. You saw her just a few days later. But it was obviously still extremely raw. And to see her talk about that in a way that we never really got to see at the time, you know, and her to talk about what breaks her heart is that she lost it you know she, I mean some somebody accused her of not giving sufficient credit to Roberta Vinci there but I mean, that aside you know it it killed her that she feels like she threw that away rather than it having been taken away from her and and you can understand having seen that why it's taken her just so long to get over that indeed Jeff Serena now on 20 still. I mean, we, you know, she was two matches away from doing the calendar slam and actually matching Steffi at the US Open. She then lost out in the finals of the, of the Australian and the French Opens. She's going to win this? She's going to break the record at the US Open? How's this going to go the rest of this year? Well, I think that's what's becoming so exciting about the WTA is that there's so much more parity now than there was five years ago, six years ago, during the graph days. Um, it's kind of peaked and valleyed a little bit um there's some of the the best players i've ever seen in the women's game with different styles and so she's always having to come out and play against a different opponent and it it's it's tough it's physically harder i think that if she wins here she'll take a lot of confidence into the u.s open but i think they're two completely different slams in that i would almost if i'm her camp have her pull off the pedal a little bit if she wins here and wait until here next year because I think that her one-two punch is still better than anyone's out there in the world, but that all the women in the draw can chip away at her physically and her playing seven three-set matches or four three-set matches in a row is impossible anymore for her. I mean, I don't think it's possible for Roger Federer to play three five-set matches. It's the same analogy. And so I think she should say, okay, I'm going to play four more Wimbledons and I want to win two of them. I think one of the issues is how does she go into any of these other slams 
with reduced stress because that was very clear in the documentary and at the end of last year how, how high, yeah. high, heavy it was weighing on I, it. I think that, that we don't realize, you know, what Novak and Serena and, and Martina Navratilova and, you know, Chris Everett and, and everybody goes through that's at the top of the game as far as questions and answers and constant you know foreshadowing and what ifs and do you think and all this stuff that it's just when you're an athlete you don't want to think about it but you're forced to by the press so it's really really tough to you know try to keep your focus and not feel that pressure um, you know, Serena kind of tried to Jedi Knight her way through it. Like, oh, I don't feel pressure. But she obviously felt a lot of emotional stress at the U.S. Open. And she does feel a lot of emotional stress when she's down 4-2 in a set. You can see her with her, her roars and her cries and, and her literally crying sometimes in matches and then still coming through and winning. She can't say that that's not emotional. I mean, where is it coming from, you know? So it's there, but but she's tougher than the situation. And so that's her her biggest strength. And so she's got to just keep her pedal to the metal and say, I'm going to be tougher than the next situation. So how many is she going to end up with at the end of this year? I think she'll win Wimbledon. Just Wimbledon, not the US Open. Uh, no. Correct. Okay. Um, Catherine, word on Elena Visnina, who I just uh, saw you know her. What, David? My mother in law is here today. I have to go or I'm going to be up the river. You're going to be, yeah. going to be toast. Just yeah. very quickly, Jeff. <laughs> Semi finals prediction. Sorry, quarter finals predictions for tomorrow for the men. Quickly. We've got Andy Murray against Joe okay. Alfred Songer. Well, I don't think the Aquarian Roundage will finish tomorrow. <laughs> okay, that's my first prediction. My second prediction. When it does, who's going through? My second prediction is that Sangha comes out and wins the first set very easily. And then Murray chips away at him, barely wins the second set, and then runs away with it in four. And the third one is Federer and Chilich. And I think it's just going to be Federer all the way through, yeah, yeah. And and then we've got Yeah, Is he going to beat? This guy has made more money in the last two months than he made the rest of his career, and his dad made in his career put together. Is he going to make? I came from absolutely nowhere. I couldn't pick him out of a two-man lineup, to be honest, David. And I don't see the. Any possibility of him beating Burdich, but you know what? The guy's had the two best months of his life. I wanted to know what protein shakes he's taking. <laughs> okay, um, and uh, they're all legal, um, <laughs> as far as we're aware. Just to say that, um, and finally, finally, so when when Quarry and Ranich does eventually finish next week, who's, who wins? <laughs> I think Ranich is is doing a great job. I, I think that he's being a lot more open minded. Um, I think. Having John McEnroe around won him that last match against Baby Simone, as we call him, but a golfing. And uh, I, I think that that was a big turning point for him. I think that actually, believe it or not, John McEnroe calms Roundage down. <laughs> Which, you know, who would have ever thought we could say that, right? It's like me calming down Eunice Helenawi, right? Remember when that happened? That worked. Yeah, it did work. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, a square peg is fitting in a circle hole there, uh, coaching-wise. And I think that if Raonic works out a couple more things in his footwork, he's dangerous on grass, but 
not yet on any other surface. Jeff Tarango, it's been a pleasure to have you with us here on the Tennis Podcast. Right, go and go to all. the Wimbledon shop. Yes, yes. Buy your... Yeah, mother, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are here. And, you know, that, that hasn't happened before, so I need to kind of take us to DEFCON 4 here. Okay. Best of luck. All right. Best of luck. Catherine, it leaves just you and myself, the old team, back together. Simon Briggs has deserted us. Uh, Jeff Tarango is... I mean, I, has returned to whatever planet he's on, and that leaves you and me. Um, I was going to get into Elena Vesnina conversation quickly before we, we finish because I loved her post-match interview live on television. I mean, it's supposed to be about a two minutes interview. It's about ten minutes uh, because she just had so much to say. What a charming woman she is! And at the start of the year, I remember commentating on a match or two of hers, and, and one or two last year as well. And she was going through an absolutely terrible time in her career in the singles game, doing well in doubles still. And I genuinely thought this woman is just going to ditch singles altogether. That she wasn't getting any results. She was outside the world's top hundred, and I just thought, you know, how how much more of this can the woman put herself through? Um, and here she is in the Wimbledon semi-finals, and it's not a one-off. This she's been playing well all year long. Great to see. Fantastic to see. I love to see examples of uh, singles players whose doubles game is so improving their singles. I, I feel the same with Nicola Mahu. You know, it's giving these players who are pretty handy in singles and always have been, it's giving them this this second wind and this this twilight singles career, which is quite magical, really. Nicola Mahu into a first ever round of 16 at a slam at the age of 33. Now we've got Vesnina doing doing similar. It's it's fantastic and uh, well. In the doubles, she and Makarova are surely going to be in with a shout, very good shout uh, of uh, glory in Rio in a few months. And uh, yeah, semi-finals here. I mean, look, it, it's a tough ask for her now, isn't it? I mean, I've said Serena's nailed on for the final, and I don't feel that's any less so now that I know that she'll be meeting Elena Viznina in the semi-finals. But she will have her say for sure. Boy, did she have her say against Sybil Kova today. I mean, Sybil Kova was barely in that match. And you know what? If I was Vesnina, I'd go and get the video of Vinci against Serena and I'd get the video of Kerber against Serena and, and, and just think, well, hold on. I'm not that far off those two. I'd do more than that. I'd get on the phone to Roberta Vinci. That's what I'd be doing. I mean, maybe Vinci's calling her up, giving her a few tips. Vinci actually uh, tweeted, well, Sam, Sam, I think just after Sam Querrey pulled off his enormous upset, she tweeted something about feeling a, a kind of kinship with Sam Querrey. So she's got a finger on the pulse of, uh, of, of what's going on. So, yeah, get on the phone to Roberta Vinci. I have to say, watching that documentary this morning, just a reminder, the match point, that Vinci played against Serena Williams when Serena did everything right in that. She just hit the cover off the ball. She's putting it at her feet. It's one of the best points that you'll ever see from a player against Serena Williams to win the match. It was just spellbinding. Anyway, it's been another interesting day today here at Wimbledon. We've got a fantastic lineup for the semis. It's going to be fun for tomorrow, though, as well in the in the um, in the quarters and the men's side as well, isn't it? Once again, Federer and Murray on centre court. That means that they're clearly going to be on centre court throughout the rest of the championships if that if that continues. That's to their benefit, I suspect. I'm not convinced. I, I think last night you said that that you could see 
I don't know whether it was yourself, see it being fairly one-sided between Songa and Murray, and, uh, and Jeff's thrown a little cat amongst the pigeons there with his, with his first set demolition for Songa. Catherine, I don't think you're convinced. I'm not convinced, but I'm no to disagree with Jeff Durango, especially given how emphatic he was about it. I mean, that we we all we wanted was a was a, a winner prediction. We we didn't ask for any details. He volunteered that. He volunteered extra neck on the line, which is unusual here. So that's why we like Jeff Durango with us on BBC Five Live. That's why he's a perennial figure for the last ten years. And you'll be able to listen to live commentary of those two quarterfinals, and we'll be having updates from the court one matches as well. Um, on BBC Radio 5 Live from, I guess the matches will start at 1. We'll probably be on air for 12. Catherine will be on live at Wimbledon. The other matches are going to be Roger Federer is up against Marin Cilic on centre. And we've also got Sam Quarry Raonic. And the other one was Puy against Thomas Burdick. So lots to look forward to. Plenty to look forward to. I'm not sure I'm necessarily predicting any upsets. I think Raonic... Raonic will come through pretty handily against Sam Quarry. Where he looked good yesterday. He did look really good, but I think Raonic, after his wobble in the last round, won't do the same. I I mean, I think the wobble was sheer anxiety at what a big opportunity this is, and perhaps he will feel the same anxiety uh, in the quarterfinals. But I I think he might um, might have a strengthened resolve in that one. I think. I know lots. I mean, Simon. I, I, I know Simon really has his doubts over Federer, but. But I'm in the Alistair Eakin school of why? Just I mean, <laughs> he's given no evidence of, of, of to, to make us. No, there's no empirical evidence on which we can base any doubt of Roger Federer at the oh, moment. What about Marin Cilic's record? That last match they played at the US Open isn't that empirical evidence of what he's able to do? It's a couple of years ago and it wasn't on grass. Look, I think Cilic can play well and he can mount a challenge. I think Federer will be significantly more tested than he has been, but I just think Federer is coming through that. I'm telling Goran. Uh, anyway, I think that's about it. Uh, another very small note, a uh, fantastic win for Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez. Or something like 17-15 or something in the final set. Five-hour epic in five sets. They're still going. Andy Murray's still going. Serena and Venus are still going. It is a wonderful story here at Wimbledon, and we'll look forward to following it tomorrow. And we'll be back with you for another podcast very soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.